have a guest speaker this morning, and I'm so thrilled to have with us Pastor Ken Williamson and his wife Christine. Uh, they are not old, but they are old friends of Riverside, and uh, we're absolutely thrilled they're here. And um, although he takes my name in vain uh, and says things that I never expect, he's still a good man. And um, like me, some of his hair has already gone to heaven ahead of him. And um, we're in the team on that. But I want you to give a huge Riverside welcome to Pastor Ken Williamson as he comes to minister. Good morning, everybody. It's great to be here. Um, Someone asked me yesterday, are me and John brothers? And um, we look alike, don't we? A little. Um, he is better looking than me. But I am more intelligent. <laughs> it's, uh, it's always an honor to preach here. I never take this lightly. Um, I know I come here once a year. And John, John asked me to preach, but... I always, I always take what I do seriously, and um, so I thank you for coming back year after year and listening to me. Uh, we just, we're just completing a building project at our church. It, uh, it's taken a little while to get going because our builders went into liquidation a third of the way through it, but God has been kind to us, and on the 18th of October, we're believing that we'll be handed with a new building. And uh, we're looking very much forward to that. So nice to be away from all the uh, challenges of the building project at the moment. <laughs> Wonderful. Well, um, how many of you here uh, know what I mean when I say Wimbledon week? Or Wimbledon two weeks? You know, Wimbledon tennis. How many? Just raise your hands if you've, if you've ever watched it. You know what I'm talking about. Good, excellent. Don't need to feel embarrassed because it's a British thing, okay? You can put your hand up and... Okay, so um, Christy, my wife, she loves Wimbledon. She absolutely loves Wimbledon to the, to, the, to the extreme. And when I say the extreme, uh, for two solid weeks, I am not allowed uh, to watch any TV program. Uh, the remote is taken away from me. And um, uh, all we watch is Wimbledon. I'm forced to watch it. I'm forced. So, you know, if I put it on, she says, no, no, let's watch Wimbledon. And she watches the matches, she replays the matches. It's just Wimbledon for two weeks. In fact, I say that if she was the pastor of the church and she had to preach during that time, the preaching standard would dive seriously. You would not get any real anointing because it would be Wimbledon all the way. Um, there was a match a couple of years ago between uh, Serena Williams, who is one of your girls, of course, and Heather Watson, who is one of our girls, very, um, the standard of talent would be very adrift. Although, in that match, it was a third round match, Heather Watson was fighting away, and it looked as though Serena Williams was going to be beaten, um, but uh, she wasn't in the end. Your girl won. I have to confess that. Your girl won. Uh, and the commentators, they, they, they talked about the match, they said, it was a David and Goliath match. It was, uh, it was a real battle, a real tussle. 
And as we're watching it on the TV, you know, we're really getting into it. And every time, because our girl scored a point, you know, we were going, yes, yes. Yes, that's right, okay, yes. And, uh, and the crowd, of course, a lot of British people there, they're shouting, yes, yes. And uh, there, was a, um, there was a young boy who was in the crowd, and the camera turned on him. He was probably eight or nine years of age. He was totally immersed in the game, and the camera shoots onto him, and you can see this little boy jumping up and down, and he's going, yes, 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 totally into the thing. One of the most beautiful words in the human language is the word yes. I summons the courage to ask a girl to be his wife. There's only one word he wants to hear, and it is the word yes. When you apply for a job, you want to hear yes, you got it. When you apply for a loan on a house, you want to hear yes. You've been approved. Does anybody remember this toy? It's called a magic eight ball. How many of you use this? Okay, it's not demonic. You can put your hands up, okay? Okay, it's a magic eight ball, okay? And you would, you would, it's just a toy. It's a silly toy, okay? There's no demons in this. If they would, they'd be shrieking out by now while I've got my hands laid on in the name of Jesus, okay? So there's nothing, okay? But you, as a kid, you would ask it a question and it would give you an answer. And I thought I'd try it out in the service this morning. I thought I'd ask a few questions. It's not spooky or supernatural. In fact, one of your presidents kept one of these on the desk in the Oval Office. Now, can you imagine asking this thing to get a yes or a no, whether to bomb someplace in the world, okay? I'm not going to say which president it was, okay? You try and work it out, all right? So... Um, but inside here is uh, what's called an icosahedron. It's got 20 sides. And uh, when you shake it, it gives you a little answer on here. So we're going to ask a few questions, okay? Uh, there's a 75% chance of getting a yes. And uh, uh, there's a possibly, and there's one or two other things in there. So here we go. We're going to try it out, okay? We're going to try it out, see if it works, okay? Okay, first question Will this be a boring sermon? Yes, definitely. <laughs> okay, that can't be right. Let's try it again, okay. Will Pastor John stay awake during the sermon? Without a doubt. Thank you, John. Any Chicago Cubs fans here? Will the Chicago Cubs win the World Series again? Wow, I've never seen that before. It says Cardinals. I'll try one more, let's try one more. Will Pastor John at the end of the service, take you all out for lunch and pay for you. <laughs> Jesus, anoint this right now. My reply is no. Oh, okay. 
interesting that we don't like to hear the word no. I can remember a boy in school really liking this girl called Georgina. And uh, he wrote a note to her that said, Georgina, I like you. Do you like me? And he put a little box and he had two boxes, no and yes. And he said, please tick yes or no. And she ticked no. And he went into deep depression at 11 years of age. You see, from the time we were children, we learned to cringe when we hear the word no. When you were very little and started to do something wrong, your mum and dad would shout without a doubt, no, no, don't do that. We don't like that word. Uh, you know, when, when you got a little older and you wanted to go somewhere with your friends, but your parents said, no, that's final. Uh, it's a bummer to hear that word. I mean, how many of you found a way to make it a yes by climbing out the window and getting down the drain pipe and going to see your friends? We like to hear the word yes. You know, my brother, you know I had a brother who died, but my brother, when he was a teenager, uh, he got out of the house one night and um, he got into my dad's car. He was underage and he started up and he drove it about 20 miles and he came back. And um, my mum and dad never knew what he did, but there was a lady over the road who was a, um, she, well, she was an alcoholic. And uh, so, you know, anything she said, we never believed. But she said to my mum and dad, she said, did you know, I saw your boy in the car driving the car last night. And my mum and dad, you know, because she was always drunk, they said, oh, no, it wouldn't be him, okay. Um, but uh, he went out on another night and he came back and my dad was waiting for him. And he got a fourth, he got a tenfold anointing on his backside when he walked through the door. See, sadly, many people conceive of God in the same negative terms as a no God. When You can't be further from the truth when you talk about God. To some people, God is like some sort of cosmic killjoy who watches from heaven, just waiting to catch them, doing something wrong. Imagine him shaking his finger at people saying, no, 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 bad person, stop that right now. But the, but the God of the Bible isn't trying to spoil your fun by constantly telling you no. In fact, the clear teaching of the Bible is that God loves you and he wants you to enjoy life to the fullest. I actually believe that God's favourite word is not no, but it is yes. God's favourite word is yes. Now, let me tell you something from the scripture. I'll read a small part of the Bible. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 20 and 21, and I'm reading from the message. And it will help you to understand this. It says this. Whatever God has promised gets stamped with the yes of Jesus. In him, this is what we preach and pray. The great amen, God's yes, and our yes together, gloriously evident. God affirms us, making us a sure thing in Christ, putting his yes within us. Now, just that little scripture there, okay? There are a lot of yeses from God. Why is that? Because contrary to public opinion, yes is God's favourite word. What does this verse say? It says, whatever God has promised gets stamped with the yes of Jesus. And the verse actually goes on and says that I am to do what I am doing this morning, and that is to preach and to pray this yes over you. So let me let you into a little secret. I rose early this morning and I have been praying the yes of God over you today, okay? I've been praying that God's yes is going to hit you, and now I'm preaching it, okay? I'm preaching that the yes of God will come over you today. How many want the yes of God over them today? 
listen to me. If I am preaching and praying under the anointing of the Holy Spirit, God's word is going to come alive in your hearts and under that anointing, regardless of whether your circumstances have been negative, whether your life has been lived with a lack, whether you have been stamped and trampled over in life, whether you have a debilitating sickness and you've been told it's going to be a no for the rest of your life because of that doctor's diagnosis, I believe this morning that things are going to change in this place because as faith is released, your yes and God's yes is going to come together. And when that happens, let me tell you, in this house, you are going to experience the power and affirmation and assurance from God this morning again. Now, folks, do you believe that this morning with me? God wants to put his yes within you today. Yes is God's favourite word. So knowing that yes is God's favourite word, let's ask him four quick questions and see if he still says yes. And these may be questions that you've come to church this morning and you're crying out to God. Or maybe you've cried these questions out at some stage to God. Question number one. God, do you really love me? God, do you really love me? Let me tell you, God's categoric answer is yes. You know, one of the first songs I learned in Sunday school was one that today might be seen as slightly politically incorrect with its wording, but it makes my point today. It went like this. Jesus loves the little children, all the children of the world, red and yellow, black and white. They are precious in his sight. Jesus loves the little children of the world. In other words, God loves all people everywhere. And it does not matter where on the planet people will ask, God, do you love me? They will hear God's answer in their own language. If they're Spanish, they'll hear C. If they're German, they'll hear Ya. If they're French, they'll hear We. If the Chinese will hear She. The Russians will hear Da. And if you're a, if you're a Beatles fan, okay, you will hear God saying, I love you, yeah, 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 I love you, yeah, yeah. There's a love like that, you know you won't be glad. Okay, that's how God responds to you. In whatever circumstance you find yourself in, God is going to speak to you and he's going to say, I love you. Where we come from, people in London where I come from, they speak a funny language called Cockney. Okay, and God says, we say to God, do you love me? He goes, yeah, mate, he loves you. If you need proof that God loves you, just look at the cross. The night before Jesus was crucified, he said in John chapter 15, 13 and 14, greater love has no man than this, that he laid down his life for his friends. And then the next verse 14, he says, you are my friends. God loves you so much, folks, that if you've been the only person needing a savior, Jesus would have gone to the cross to die for you. God's love for you is unconditional. You see, he doesn't love us if we act a certain way. He loves us with complete love based on his loving character rather than on anything we've done. It does not matter what you have done. God still loves you. Let me tell you what else. God doesn't love me because, we, because I deserve it. God loves me because it's his nature to love Love me. So, folks, when we ask this question, God, do you love me? God says over you this morning, yes, 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 a thousand times over your life, I love you. It's a yes to you. Here's another question you may have asked God, 
can you forgive all my mistakes? God's answer is a categoric yes. You see, each of us stands guilty as a sinner before a holy God, but instead of judging us on the basis of our sins, God, who is rich in mercy and full of grace, offers us a full and free pardon. Again, the proof of God's forgiveness is seen at the cross. It's through the death of Jesus on the cross that the guilt and the power and the consequences of our sin is removed. That's why the Bible tells us in 1 John chapter 1, 7, the blood of Jesus. His Son purifies us from every sin. And one of the things about God's amazing grace is that through the blood of Jesus, God forgives all your sins, past, present, and future. Now, most people don't have any trouble believing God can forgive their past, but they have little trouble accepting, they have a little trouble accepting that the blood of Jesus also forgives their future sins. And if you struggle with that concept, here's something for you to consider. When Jesus died on the cross 2,000 years ago, he forgave all of your sins. And at that time, they were all future. And because God has forgiven you, then you should forgive yourself. And be willing to forgive others. If any of us can forgive others... It's Christians because of what Christ has done for us. There's people going around with all sorts of unforgiveness and it's destroying them again. Let me tell you, Christ has dealt with all of that. You've probably heard the wonderful story behind the hymn, It Is Well With My Soul. A man by the name of Horatio G. Spafford was an American lawyer in the 1800s. His wife and daughters were on a ship that were going to England and he encountered a storm and the ship sank in the Atlantic and only his wife survived. Mr. Spafford quickly called a ship to England to join his heartbroken wife. And on the voyage, at the very spot where his daughters drowned, the captain stopped the ship and he began to pen these moving words. When peace like a river attends my way, when sorrow like sea billows roll, whatever my lot, he has taught me to, he has taught me to know, it is well, it is well with my soul. And I can just visualise him standing on the deck of the ship, full of grief at that moment. But you know, my favourite verse in the hymn is the third verse, and maybe as Spafford gazed at the deep ocean, he thought about the promise of God from Micah 7, 19, that, where it says he holds all of our sins and iniquities into the depth of the sea. And when you read that verse, okay, it expresses the same wonder of my heart when I sing it. It goes like this. My sin, oh, the bliss of this glorious thought. My sin, not in part, but the whole, is nailed to the cross. Oh, listen to that is nailed to the cross, and I bear it no more. Praise the Lord, O oh my soul. Oh, folks, I want to say, a Christian, a follower of Jesus Christ, rejoices because God has buried all of their sins in the ocean depths of his grace and forgiveness. One preacher put it like this. He said, God sunk your sins into the sea, and he put a no fishing sign there. I know you baptise regularly through the year here. Let me tell you, when someone gets baptised, they're declaring to all that their sinful life is finished. It's dead, it's buried. And when they come out of the water, really what they're doing is they're saying yes to Jesus and yes to the newness of life. Here's the third question you may be asking. God, do you have a plan for my life? 
I want to tell you, God's answer is a categoric yes. And about this point, you may be thinking, well, wait a minute, Ken, doesn't, God doesn't always say yes. Sometimes he says no. And you are right. And there are times in the Bible where God says, no, don't do that. You see, God's a good father. And like any good parent, God will say no in the context of the great and good for us. In other words, he says no to something painful so that he can say yes to something wonderful in your life. He says no to the lesser in order that he can say yes to the better. For instance, any good parent will say to their child, no, no, don't stick that metal fork in the electrical socket. We would all agree. They aren't saying no to curb the child's fun. They're saying no to protect them from harm. And God, God operates the same way. Every time God says, don't do that in your life, he's saying, don't hurt yourself. I have something better in mind for you. And let me make it really clear, God has a plan for you, and it can be described in two verses. One from Jeremiah 29, 11. He says, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. Did you hear that? God wants the very best for you in this life and in the life to come. It says in John 14, 2, in my father's house are many rooms. If it wasn't so, I would have told you, I'm going to prepare a place for you. And you may be thinking that your life is a mess and it seems that God's plan for your life isn't working uh, very well right now. All I can say, God is not finished with you yet. Not everything that happens in life is good, but Romans 8.28 promises that if you love God and you're one of his called ones, then everything will work out for good for you in the end. How can I help you understand that a little more about the goodness of God's plan? Uh, well, Pastor John, okay, he's a great cook. Did you know that? Who knows Pastor John's a great cook? Right, okay, well, he wants you to know that. And he wants you to experience his cooking, okay? And at the end of the service, just come to me. I'll give you his address. Okay, just turn up any time, day or night, and he'll go, Victoria Sponge Cake is beautiful. And he makes another thing called, it's a British thing, it's called a pork pie. Pork pie is like angelic. And he makes it. And, you know, he, he's really good. Now, he's a master chef. He is a, you don't believe me, do you? He is a master chef. If he offered, offered you a cup of dry flour to eat, you'd say, no thanks. Or if he offered you a couple of raw eggs or a cup of sugar or a cup of melted brother, uh, butter, you'd probably refuse them. But someone like John, a knowledgeable cook, can take those same unappetizing ingredients, he can mix them together, he can put them in a pan, he can pop them in the oven, and there comes out a tasty cake. He's a master chef. You don't believe me, do you? I mean, I'm living with them at the moment. I can tell you he's a master chef. Now, God's plan is just like that for you. There are some terrible, unappetizing things that happen in our lives, but God can take the good, the bad, and the ugly, and he mixes them up in the bowl of his blessedness, and he stirs them up in the pan of his providence, and then he pops them <coughs> into the oven of his omnipotence, 
And what you have is a sweet, tasty treat. That's why the Bible says, taste and see that the Lord is good. Does God have a good plan for your life? <laughs> he does. Now, you know that God loves you. I've told you that. You know that he can forgive all your mistakes. I've told you that. I've told you that he has a plan for your life. Then maybe right now, this final question is on your lips. Here's the question. So knowing all that, God, what do you want me to say to you? And God's answer is a categoric yes. I want you to say yes to me. I believe one of the reasons why yes is God's favourite word is because he loves to hear us say the same word to him. Some people I know are calling out a new generation of young people to pretty radical Christianity in a passionate movement called Generation 268. These young people have a passionate love for God and they want to ignite a fire in people's hearts to pursue Jesus and to spread his fame throughout all the earth. Generation 268 is taken from a verse in Isaiah 26, verse 8, which is their yes, and it says this. Yes, Lord, walking in the way of your laws, we wait for you. Your name and your renown are the desires of our hearts. Have you noticed there? That whole verse starts with this word, yes. You know, you're not going to get anywhere with God until you come to the point where you say, yes. You can't insert yes whenever you want. It's got to come right at the beginning of the journey. Everything starts with yes. Everything about knowing God always starts with your yes. And I'm asking you, will you make this yes the passion of your life? You know, some years ago, in your country, there was a terrible shooting at Columbine High School in Colorado, April the 20th, 1999. In that shooting, 14 students and one teacher died. And you may recall that one of the students shot dead was a 17-year-old girl called Cassie Burnell. Before saying yes to Jesus and becoming a Christian two years earlier, Cassie had been a goth girl, preferring to wear black and even dabbling in the occult. Even after she became a Christian, she still tried to befriend and influence her goth friends. She had long, beautiful blonde hair. And just days before the attack, she told her aunt she was going to cut her hair short and donate it to a program that made wigs for children who had undergone chemotherapy. Although she was known as a quiet girl, she had a radiant smile, and everyone knew that her favourite movie was Braveheart. And when she faced death, Cassie demonstrated some amazing brave heart herself. According to some friends who were in the library on that terrible Tuesday afternoon, one of the gunmen pointed 
Jesus' gun at Cassie and he taunted her by asking, do you believe in God? Cassie was terrified. But she said that all important word. She said, That was her last word. And a split second after she uttered that word, the gunman pulled the trigger and Cassie was ushered into eternity. Based on her last word, her mum wrote a best-selling novel, book rather, entitled She Said Cassie's last word, yes, has touched thousands of lives. She has inspired many people to say yes to God's love. When the angel Gabriel came to Mary and told her she'd been chosen by God to give birth to the Son of God, she humbly said, yes, let it be as you've said. When Jesus asked Peter, do you love me? He said, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And when Jesus calls you to leave your sinful way of life, he wants you to say, yes, Lord, I'll trust you. And when he asks people who've become Christians to be baptized, he wants to hear them say, yes, Lord, I'll follow you. Christine's grandma was 87 years of age. She'd actually gone through horrendous marital problems. Christine's grandma had to move in with her mum and dad because she had nowhere else to live. But she said yes. And at 87 years of age, when the pastor at the front of the church said, we'd like to be baptized, she said, yes, Lord, me. I mean, 87 years of age, a large lady, very awkwardly, got into a baptismal pool. And at 87 years of age, she went under the water and came up. What was she doing? She was declaring it doesn't matter how old you are. You can say yes to Jesus at any time. You know, I I, I worked in um, I worked in the city of London uh, for 15 or 16 years before I worked for Lloyds of London, the big insurance empire. They paid you so well, it was hard to get out of there. And I was on the managerial ladder, and I would have ended up with two BMWs in the drive. But God said to me, I want you to leave all that then, and I want you to follow me in full-time Christian ministry. I said, yes. I've never had a day that I ever regretted that. I said, yes. I went into my boss 
And uh, I gave him my resignation envelope and he opened it and he says, no one's ever resigned here before. We buy you in. <laughs> I said, well, sir, this is what I have to do. He said, why do you have to do that? I said, well, you may not understand this, but many years ago, He said to me, oh, look, let's not talk about it to anybody. We'll keep your job open in case it doesn't work out. Let me tell you, when you say yes to Jesus, it always works out. It always works out. Since 1988, Christine and myself have walked this journey. In fact, uh, when I was going through the whole thing about saying yes to Jesus, I was in a service like this, sitting just over there with Christine. She, we were engaged to be married, and we sat there, and uh, the preacher was preaching, and said, who will consecrate their lives to Jesus and really give their lives to Jesus totally? I stood up. And I said, yes, Lord. I'll do that. I'll do that, Jesus. And then, you know, the service finished and we went outside and we got into my old battered up car. Couldn't afford good cars in those days. Christine sat beside me. She sat on the left of me because she had a steering wheel here and that's the right way to drive, okay? So I turned to her and, the, and just before I turned to her, the Lord said to me, I, I want you to ask your bride-to-be, will she live out of a suitcase all of her life? Will she be prepared to live out of a suitcase all of her life, never have a home, never have a house, never have nice cars, never have a lot of money. Will you ask her if she'll do that? And if she says no, you can't marry her. I said, Lord, that's a little bit, a bit over the top, ain't it? The Lord said, that's what you have to ask her. We'll see if she says yes. And I remember turning and looking her in the eyes. And I said, I've got a strange question to ask you. If we can never have a house, and we can have no niceties of life, and we'd have to travel the world living out of a suitcase, we don't have any money. But we serve God. What would you ask? tell you, in my heart, I was praying, Jesus, this would not be the time to let me down right now. And it seemed like an age. And then she said, yes. We have had the most fantastic life. I tell you, we have seen places in the world that people just amaze and we just go this is all because we said yes when she said yes I gave her the most enormous kiss you've ever seen a man give a woman a kiss it was incredible hey you can stand firm on God's promises uh, yes and amen to Jesus Christ and when you say yes let me tell you everything opens up to you 
His promises never fail. You know, when Peter walked on the water during the storm, he wasn't walking on water. He was walking on the word of God that was spoken by Jesus. And in this place right now, I believe God is speaking to people very powerfully about what are you going to say. And some of you have been on the road many, many years, okay? You've got your life all sorted out. You've got all your pensions sorted out. You've got all the money ready. You've got everything ready. Okay? you worked it all out. And God says, yeah, but if I want to change your plans, will you say yes to me? For the young people in this building today, God's saying, will you say right at the beginning of your life, like Ken and Kristen, 39 years ago, we, we got married 39 years ago. Today we, we walk in this and we go, we said yes to you, Lord, and this is fantastic. We have so loved life. We've so enjoyed life. Why? Because we said yes. And maybe you've never given your life to Christ. This morning is the time to say yes to Jesus. Uh, maybe you're here and, you know, when I talked about you've got a result from the doctor and it's a very debilitating sickness you have, and you're beginning, to, you're beginning to speak the no's. You're saying, no, no, I won't be able to do that. I won't be able to do this. Do you know, folks, God always answers your prayer. And if you say, no, if you say, no, I won't be able to do that, well, don't be surprised if God answers that prayer. No, you'll never be able to do it. But if you start beginning to speak the word of faith and you speak it out of your mouth, okay, it changes the atmosphere around you, okay? And then when people are coming and saying, you're finished, it's all over, you say, no, I'm not. I, I've the yes of God over my heart and my life, okay? Things are going to get really good for me, okay, in the name of Jesus. Uh, maybe you're here this morning and you're just speaking, well, it's not a no and it's not a yes, it's a maybe. Uh, folks, let's just begin. Let's begin to see God will never, ever let you down. His promises are yes in Christ Jesus. And maybe some of you here, the call of God's on your life. You've resisted it. You don't know how it's going to work out. You've been so secure for so many years. But God says, hey, I want you to know, will you live out of a suitcase? Or whatever it is for you. And you go, Jesus. Let me tell you what yes is. It's a decision of your heart. You decide it's a yes. God's not going to get you up from your seat, walk you to the front here, okay? He's not going to propel you like a hovercraft. He's not going to do that, okay? You're going to say, I am saying yes to Jesus. Let's stand together, shall we? I think you have a, you have a prayer team, or there are people in the the audience uh, of the prayer team, if you could just come forward first and just stand at the front, okay, just so we can pray with, we're going to pray with people this morning. And you're very challenged by this whole yes thing. If you're not a Christian yet, you want to say yes to Jesus. In a moment, I'm going to ask you to come forward and stand in front of one of these wonderful people, okay, I think some more may come, stand in front of one of these wonderful people. And you're going to say yes to Jesus. And life is going to dramatically change from this moment onwards. No one who's ever given a yes to Jesus has ever walked away disappointed. So you're going to come, maybe some people here. And then there are others who the call of God is on you. And God is challenging somebody. You may not even know what it is, but you know, I need to say yes at this moment. I need to surrender again. You know, surrender is not about you put the flag up, okay? Biblical surrender is how high you're prepared to, to raise the flag. How high are you prepared to raise it? Or you can put it up here and just say, well, I'm surrendering. But you can put it right up and go, no, I, I am really, I'm surrendering totally to Jesus and to his call upon my life. I'm going to ask you to come in a moment. And then there may be others. But I feel quite strongly about this. There are others who, you know, you've been given some diagnosis. And you've lived now in the negativity of that diagnosis. 
you, some faith has risen in your heart this morning. And that faith is coming against that negativity. It's coming against that no. It's coming against that your life is finished now. And it's saying, no, no. I am I'm putting my trust in God Almighty. I believe the yes of God is over my life. Some of you are looking for breakthrough in your life. And God's saying, I've got the yes over your life right now. Uh, a little movement, a little obedience this morning will open all sorts of doors to you. So right now I'm going to invite you to come forward, whoever you are. You feel God speaking to you. Just leave your seat. Come stand at the front. One of these people will pray with you. Stand in front of them. But you're saying yes this morning. I'm saying yes to Jesus. If you're in the balcony, you come down. You can make your way, make your way down. But you're going to... Gonna, you're just going to walk down here and you're going to say, I'm saying yes. I'm saying yes. I'm, yeah, I'm saying yes to any challenge that God is putting on me right now. I'm saying yes. If you're struggling to come, you need to come. If you're struggling, you, you, you can feel it inside. Okay. You need to come. You need to come. Father, in the name of Jesus, just begin to release people. By faith, release people. That's right. You begin to leave your seat and you begin to move forward. By faith, we're releasing people right now. You're going to say a yes and it's going to be dramatically different from now onwards. If there's some more people who can pray, that would be great. There's a couple of people over here waiting. We say yes. We say yes. Lord, we say yes, Lord, yeah. We say yes, we say yes, we say yes, Lord, yes. And we say yes. It's still time for you to come. We say yes. We say yes, Lord. Do you love me, Jesus? Yes. Can you forgive me of my sins? Yes. Do you have a plan for my life? Yes. What would you like me to say to you now, Jesus? I'd like you to say yes. I'd like you to say yes and surrender.